The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast and the first ever Super Bowl champion edition of this podcast from oh, yeah. the, the day after the game. We're going to be breaking down this game a little bit and talking about uh, all of the feels that come along with your team, the Kansas City Chiefs, being on top of the football world once again. 38-35 to victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Ron, how you feeling after after yesterday's win? Stags, it hasn't even been 24 hours since the game, and it hasn't even it's barely been 12 hours since the game ended. Um, we usually have a little more time to 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 uh, you know gather our thoughts and, and our takes. You know, uh, you know the editor show is truly going to have their marinated takeaways uh, this time. You know, they're going to be on Tuesday. We're switching with them for the show, but uh, man, I am you know I'm running on fumes. I am uh, you know on on very little sleep. A lot of uh, keyboard clacking last night a lot of uh keyboard clacking this morning um this is what it's all about sags i'm, I'm so excited man it's, it's gonna be a good time let's just talk about this glorious day that is that is uh victory monday you love to say it we we haven't been on victory monday all all, uh, all year right you know we, right. we kind of got pushed off to victory tuesday but we're back we're back on victory monday yeah it's incredible it's a, it's the feeling of it's a pretty satisfying season overall right like this is a there was a lot of storylines this year, uh, a lot of unexpected turns this season took. And in the end, it turned out, you know, beautifully in, in, a, in a Super Bowl victory in in really, in a lot of ways, a pretty impressive fashion against a, a really tough opponent uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles. There, all of the, the scouting and the storylines coming into the game, all the predictions, I think most of them were wrong in the fact that not only was just about everybody picking against the Chiefs. I saw the entire Fox pregame show. Every mm-hmm. single person picks against the Chiefs. Um, but this story of the Philadelphia Eagles this year is, is of a juggernaut, of a dominant team on the offense and defensive lines, uh, the team that, that couldn't, you know, it was double-digit wins against most everybody else, cruising to the Super Bowl. And 
Kansas City team that struggled in different ways and it was starting five or six rookies at a time and has a quarterback hobbling around on on a bad ankle. You know, there is a lot of reason to to wonder how this game was going to go. And it certainly didn't go the way anybody expected, but it was a great entertaining game. It was a high scoring Super Bowl. It was well played. It wasn't a sloppy, you know, um, you know, game that was it was tedious to watch, kind of like the Tampa Bay uh, Chiefs uh, Super Bowl was a couple of years ago. This was yeah. a, a game that both teams executed well. Uh, the Chiefs just had a great game plan, and they and they played a, a nice, clean game. and And it's, it is really just gives me this like overall feeling of satisfaction with how this season turned out. Oh yeah. Oh, satisfied. I mean, beyond satisfaction. I mean, no, you're right. The, the Carl Cheffers crew was something that everyone kind of got pre-mad about going into this game, and they were that crew in the Tampa game as well. And uh, at least he was the head referee. I guess it's not his crew, right? It's this all-star crew, which I put air quotes. I don't know how they get to an all-star crew, all-star crew with Carl Sheffers <laughs> as the head, but it worked out, right? It worked out. It was it. What you're right. It was an objectively great Super Bowl, great halftime show. You know, shout out Rihanna. I mean, banger after banger. I mean, that's that's just. You know, it, it was an overall great Super Bowl, and, and the game itself was great. Um, and and it just, it, it's just the, you talked about how the Eagles, you know, they were kind of the story of the season, and they and they were right, you know, kind of Jalen Hurts emergence and kind of you know Sirianni coming from the goofy head coach in the in the you know press conference, you know, to open his his tenure as an Eagles coach to you know now all of a sudden this aggressive guy doesn't even think about punting or kicking field goals on fourth down, and and everyone loves him obviously. You know, they really it really was their season and, and it felt like it. Right. It felt like kind of this was their the story, uh, you know, this season to, to uh, you know, just their you know, they were the, the team of the season. But yeah. that's what happens, man, with with this newfound. We have this dynasty we can talk about now, Sags, which we can get into Ooh. it. But this is this is what dynasty teams do. They ruin those years. Right. Think about. You know, think about like the Matt Ryan Falcons, you know, 2016 Matt Ryan's MVP, like Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator. You know, everyone's, you know, the offense looks unstoppable. Dynasty Patriots take them down. Right. Think about the Seahawks, you know, that year, uh, you know, they they look like they're about to be two time champs and start their own dynasty. Dynasty uh, Patriots take them down. Right. This is what the dynasty team does is is they kind of lay low kind of get forgotten about in terms of hey you know we're getting you know no one wants to pick pick us anymore blah 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 and apparently the players heard it. you heard Travis Kelsey going on about how no one picked them before the season and all that um it's just am- amazing that you know it's it's this is what dynasty teams do and this is a very dynasty moment in, in terms of this the team of the year the Eagles you know almost near you know almost 15 and one that kind of team right they didn't go that record but they were that kind of team where they barely ever lost ran through the schedule this is what happens when you don't get battle tested. The Chiefs were battle tested going into this game stack. We <laughs> talked about that, and and the Eagles weren't. And I really do think that's that's a big part of the difference here. That was one of the big differences. The other things that we had scouted didn't really play out the way that I expected. So I said prior to this game, if the Chiefs were going to win this Super Bowl, they had to get out to the early lead. Mm-hmm. They had to they had to slow down the Eagles' rushing attack and make Jalen hurt hurt them through the air because he, he wasn't going to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jalen Hurts was masterful in this game, both in the air and on the ground. Absolutely. He deserves all the credit in the world for his performance. Was uh, looked unflappable. Um, he had some great ball placement on some balls downfield. He had some that were not great, and, and they worked out in his favor because he's got elite receivers. But that offense was humming. They did exactly what they wanted to do, especially in the first half. 
everything was turning up exactly how Sirianni and team probably drew it up at halftime. And a lot of Chiefs fans had to be sweating at that point. Chiefs were down double digits. Patrick Mahomes is limping around. And, you know, it just it just didn't seem like, you know, it was going to be any different from the Eagles' other games this season. Something happened at halftime. And I don't know if it's the longer halftime when, when again, you have the, the – by the way, the the creator of every major hit in the last ten years, apparently, because every song that we're gonna play, <laughs> I was like, "This is oh yeah, this song, oh yeah, there's that other one." Like I know, banger uh, after banger. And it was the interesting to see a Super Bowl halftime show. By the way, with no cameos, no compilations, no like it was just her, and, and she crushed it. That was amazing. But I think maybe the longer break there gave the Chiefs a chance to reset mentally physically come out like it's a different game in the second half and it was the Chiefs offense was virtually unstoppable in the second half scored touchdowns on every single drive and and you can say that they didn't score on that last drive but Jarek McKinnon went sliding down to run clock and instead of scoring a touchdown so the Chiefs could easily have been five for five in that second half on on touchdown uh, scoring drives the defense did just enough to win. I don't think they were dominant by any means, um, but you know they they got a couple of big plays that that turned the tide, and there was a big special teams play as well. So this was a a full team win by the Chiefs. Uh, you've got to be excited about how they responded after being down twenty four fourteen. Yeah, let's go back to that point you, you mentioned the twenty four fourteen because you said some Chiefs fans are sweating. I was doing more than sweating, man. I was not feeling good. Uh, me and the wife were, were sitting there uh, feeling pretty down, um, pretty bad. Um, just because, you know, Mahomes twists that ankle and you see Nate Taylor, you know, shout out Nate Taylor. He tweets out he's never heard Mahomes scream in pain like that. I mean, when you see something like that, I'm just like, oh, are you serious? When he, when uh, he laid his head on the trainer uh, mm-hmm. in frustration and in pain, I yeah, I was a little worried at that point because he doesn't show the pain that way. <laughs> in previous no and and it's paired with again nate's tweet where like i just feel like you know i nate's the kind of guy where you know i i trust his reporting and his credibility in terms of like if he notices a difference in you know pain scream and pain volume i'm i'm gonna take note of that but I, i'm I, I the thing with this game and i even tweeted out during it is the first half it it kind of felt like the tampa super bowl it really did where the defense just you know, they, they were getting some stops, but it just felt like they, they weren't doing, you know, they were just staying on the field, right? They weren't getting off the field enough. And the offense just wasn't taking advantage of their opportunities as much as they could. But in this game, especially, they just didn't have the ball a ton. But it, so all those people who said that Rihanna had more time of possession than the Chiefs did in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. I didn't know. I didn't hear that one, uh, which is true. Uh but that's the thing is is that Nick Bolton scoop and score, which, you know, let's just be 100% honest here. Fumble. Uh, you know, you can say, yeah, Bolton's, you know, pressuring, you know, getting on him quickly obviously does force him to, you know, move the ball. And that's what – so, hey, you know, obviously there is something to forcing the error, but it wasn't a true force fumble. But that's a huge play because if he does not get that play, you're – and, you know, I know different things happen where it maybe doesn't turn out to be this exact, exact score, but that's 24 to 7 at halftime stags and you're talking about a three point or three possession lead for an Eagles team, which you were just talking about how they, you can't let them get out to a, to a lead and stuff. 
I don't know, man, that, that, that Nick Bolton play, you know, very, you know, very good luck, very big luck. But that's one thing where I was kind of sweating going in the second half. I, I, I wonder what you think about this, but like, I was like, shoot, the defense already got their big play. Like we're, we're still down, but the defense already got that one big play they needed to get. That's where the offense now needs to step into gear. Cause I don't think you can bank on the defense getting two of those, although they almost did. Right. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that point. But yeah I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, in, in a game like this, you, you're going to go toe to toe from offense to offense. And, you know, I felt fairly confident coming in that the Chiefs offense could move the ball against this defense. Um, I, I wasn't 100% confident that the Chiefs defense could stop the Eagles. And so I, I felt like a shootout was possible. But yeah, in a shootout, you, you're, you're banking on your defense getting one or two stops or your special teams making make one or two plays. And the defense got that. In the first half with Bolton's uh, uh, scoop fumble, uh, touchdown, and then they had it again in the second half, although it got called back, uh, as, as we just discussed. That would have been a, quite a turn of events had that, uh, uh, had that played out because that was the Chiefs had just scored to get it to 24-21, and uh, the Eagles got the ball back. If they had turned that into a touchdown, uh, in addition to the other scores in the second half, they would have run away with this one. But, you know, the Chiefs – Defense and special teams did pull out the plays. So, I mean, it was they had the one big defensive play in the first half, and you had the one big special teams play in the second half uh, with Kadarius Tony's punt return, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history in a huge moment. Uh, he reverses field, runs past the entire punt coverage unit uh, with some really solid blocking, by the way. I noticed Marcus, Marcus Kemp running from way back on that play and, and getting his hands on at least three Eagles on that return. Uh, there's a reason he got called up for uh, his special teams ability. But those are two of the biggest plays of the game, you know, from an individual play standpoint. The re- the offense was meticulous. The, you know, they were moving the ball down the field. They were, they were very efficient in the way that they operated. But there weren't a lot of those just massive home run plays. It was the, those two may have been the biggest plays of the game in isolation. Yeah, no, I, the Tony play was, was amazing. The putt return was, was, was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's why you go and get that kind of guy, that kind of ability in the open field, that first round ability. I mean, cause for, for anything else he does for all the injuries, you know, history or whatever you get him with the ball in his hands in the open field. I mean, he can do stuff like that. And that's why Brett Veach, that's what he does. He, he gets good players. He gets guys that, Hey, when, when they're playing on the football field, I think they can really do something. And, you know, it's just, it's just a really, it's just another reinforcement of such a strong, uh, you know, how strong of a move or great of a move that was obviously he scores the touchdown later, but he did all that in like eight total snaps. Like he barely played last night, but he just, he, he just gets it done when he, when he does have the opportunity. So shout out Kadarius, Tony, definitely excited for his future, but we talk about, you know, you individual players. Well, we got to talk about the individual player that took home the individual award, the game MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It was definitely an MVP type performance, man. Um, just gritty, you know, just toughing it out. I mean, obviously just throwing it. But and actually, I was just looking at the PFS stuff before we got started. But he only had one deep attempt the entire game. And it was actually, if, if everyone remembers, the MVS back shoulder throw it was just a little wide. And Greg Olson did a good job on the broadcast mentioning that uh, you know, that the it was actually MBS probably that just didn't widen his route enough. And Mahomes probably had the accurate pass there. Yeah, I think all that so, to too. say, 
Mahomes was just slicing them up over the second, you know, the intermediate part of the field, 10 to 20 yards down the field, you know, to Travis Kelsey, obviously, but to also to Juju Smith Schuster in really important moments. But that doesn't, you know, that that's his passing, right? But that doesn't include what he did on the ground as as well, which I know you were amazed with, uh, you know, seeing him take off a few times, especially down the stretch, man. Um, just one of the, just an unreal game for Mahomes. I mean, I don't know. Do we do we talk about ranking this among his Super Bowl performances? Because you know, he didn't throw the pick that he had the, the right. first Super Bowl, and this might be the best one. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stat line and you see 180, 182 yards passing. It's right. A, it's a How remarkably low total for Mahomes. Uh, but and he did get help from the defense and the special teams that, that kept those numbers down along with uh, the Eagles' time of possession. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, though. Didn't take a sack this entire game. And then you're right. When they needed a third down or they needed a conversion on the four-minute drive, Mahomes busts out the longest run of his 22 season, as, as you pointed out, but also the longest quarterback run in Super Bowl history. Wow. A bad ankle running past Hassan Reddick. I just saw Dan Orlovsky breaking this down, and he made that point. He pointed out the fact that they that as Mahomes leaves the pocket, he turns and looks at Reddick to kind of to say, "Can I get past him? Like, is mm-hmm. is he right on me, or do I have a, that little space that how Mahomes is just you know a hair faster than whoever's chasing him?" And in that moment, he realized he had a step on him, and and busted out that that long run, ran away from from Reddick uh, across the field. That was one of those plays, just like the run against the Bengals, where you say, you know, pain doesn't matter at this point. Mm-hmm he's not going to be denied uh and and it's just one of those epic plays that you say all right that's the mvp that's why he's the mvp and it's it's he ran the offense efficiently he was deadly accurate one incompletion the entire second half is absurd um but you know as usual he's spreading the ball around you know but but to me yeah the the grittiness of that run just like against the the Bengals was uh, was the icing on the cake. Yeah, and he had 44 rushing yards overall on six carries. I mean, he he just had a, a – this is these are the kind of – that's the kind of box score you saw in, like, let's say that Bills game in the playoffs last year or just in these other playoff games that we talked about were, were concerning is that maybe he couldn't get to that kind of yardage with the ankle because it is so important. And we saw, yeah. you know, when he can scramble, I mean, it's such a key part to this offense being efficient. And speaking of efficiency, you, you brought this to my attention, but, man – it turns out to be one of the best efficient, most efficient performances of the entire season for the Chiefs offense. Um, Shield Capati of the Athletic had this. Chiefs had their best game by offensive success rate this season, and it was the sixth best of any team this year. So you mentioned the Mahomes having only 182 passing yards. It's just such a funny number. And, and us talking about like he had one of his best games, but with the run game, maybe this is where we can talk a little Pacheco too. Uh you know, just the offensive line in general. I know you already mentioned the no sacks. I mean, this was a full team effort to to be this efficient. And it just, it kind of, the, the first half just had a few stalled drives that kind of, you know, masked what they were doing. But it just points to how good Andy Reid's game plan was, how, how well they were executing. But yeah, I mean, every facet of the offense really was doing what they were asked to do and it was working. So it was, I mean, that was awesome. It was great. Yeah, some great adjustments, some some nice play calls, uh, scoring back-to-back touchdowns on a on a very similar or exact same route uh, that, that left a guy wide open. Yeah. Uh, 
You talk a little bit about the motion that, that you pointed out, uh, the, the stat about the Chiefs going in motion this week, because it really is clear the Chiefs coaching staff outcoached the Eagles coaching staff in this one. And they they had a they had a game plan coming in. They had a way to execute and and they executed it very, very well and very uh, persistently throughout the game. Yeah, I would say. I think the Chiefs coaches out game planned the Eagles uh, coaches. I do think, you know, there is something too. I think at times it did feel like maybe Andy was a little over his head management wise, um, game management wise. And I do think I really admire the Eagles in terms of Sirianni's game management. Um, just very calm, collected on all those fourth downs. Um, it seemed like he seemed like he made the, the right decision most of the time. He kicked the field goal that one time. He wasn't too over aggressive, but you're right especially on the Chiefs' offensive side of the ball. We'll get to defense. Oh, I'll, we'll, we'll get to defense. We'll talk offense for now, though. This is from Arjun Menon. Um, I believe he's with PFF. Yes, he's with PFF. Chiefs ran motion on 78% of their plays last night, which is up from their season average of 65% heading into last night. Andy and EB found a weakness and hammered it all night long. And that weakness is something I talked about on this podcast in articles leading up to the Super Bowl was – the Eagles linebacker position and just shameless generally their promotion by Ron there. Oh, like shameless, it. very shameless. So it's, it's all shameless here. Uh, it's, 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 it's exactly what I was referring to though. in the fact that the Eagles linebackers, when they get spaced out, they just don't have the greatest feel. And we've seen it as Chiefs fans sometimes with our linebackers, the greatest feel for coverage and space, kind of, you know, how to drop with the route and really, you know, um, just stay kind of fluid and not, you know, get caught in a, in no man's land to an extent. Pre-stat motion just gets you thinking, man. It gets you thinking, oh, shoot, okay, so now there's more receivers on this side, so now my responsibility changes in this way. And, you know, that that's really what it does. And, and linebackers, a lot of times, and safeties, linebackers and safeties are really the ones that have to uh, think about it the most. And you saw that's that's where it came through a lot of times was opening up windows in the middle of the field for Travis Kelsey because linebackers are overthinking, oh, I got to get out to the flat, or the safety's thinking, oh, I got to, you know, I was – in a half uh, half coverage responsibility, but now I got to be in a quarter coverage responsibility because the 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 formation of the offense changed. That's what it does, and 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 they turned up the dial on it even more than they already do because that's just something Andy Reid does as a staple of his offense. They cranked it, and it's because of those linebackers and safeties. And and yeah, I, I think it was it's more game plan than Mahomes like you know being this insane like you know manipulating the defense it really was the game plan that was doing that a lot of the time and it's also i should say why the the offensive line didn't give up, up a lot of sacks was because the game plan put them in position to you know a lot of you know they, they weren't in a lot of third and longs i guess is the right way to put it sacks they weren't in a lot of yep. third and longs because of andy reed put, put some respect on that group they not to, not only did they not give up a lot of sacks to the team that that was far and away the NFL leaders in sacks this year, they gave up zero sacks. Zero. And uh, as Orlando Brown said, put on a t-shirt and our, our friends at Raygun <laughs> have actually already done that. Um, nice. But so not only did they not allow a sack against that unit, which is awesome. Uh, they ran for 158 yards in the touchdown as well as a unit. Uh, that is a really impressive performance by those guys left to right across that offensive line. I'm writing the winners losers list as as we speak, and the entire offensive line is in the winners column this week. They earned it as a unit. They were part of the reason this this game was was so efficient on the offensive side of the ball. But you're right; there were some things that you could see on tape with the Eagles that were exploitable, and it was sometimes screens, passes on running backs. Right. It was back shoulder throws in the intermediate space to, to guys like Juju Smith Schuster. 
Um, and it was Travis Kelsey getting open. And Travis Kelsey was open all day long, <laughs> as Travis Kelsey always is. I had a, a nice little Super Bowl party here, and, and I heard lots of people saying, how is it that they can't cover Travis Kelsey? Why would you not have two guys on Travis Kelsey at, at all times? Uh, it is incredible how he's able to work himself open and and uh, just make catch after catch. Uh, he led the Chiefs in receiving, of course, uh, six catches on six targets for 81 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also had the longest reception of the day at 22 yards. Um, Kelsey was everything in the Super Bowl for those guys uh, when they when they went to pass. But also some credit to Juju Smith-Schuster, who oh yeah, we talked a lot about him being on kind of a a slump. It had been weeks since he had more than 20 or 30 yards receiving. He was the second leading receiver, nine targets, seven catches, 53 yards, uh, and some really critical chain-moving catches, including on that that final drive. So uh, those two guys stepped up, made plays. We thought there might be an opening for them, and, and uh, by gosh, they, they, they figured that out and, and executed on it. Yeah, no, I, I do think the game plan, neutralizing the pass rush, we did all kind of know that they would be able to find space in the Philly secondary but it was the, the question was, yeah, how much can they actually slow down Philly's pass rush? And I mean, I, I will say, you know, there were some people, you know, pointing to the field saying, oh, the field's so terrible. That's going to help the offensive line pass rush. And I've been one to say that, too. But I mean, sure. You know, everyone was playing on it. And uh, I guess both, you know, neither pass rush is very good. But hey, that's that's part of football. And uh, it wasn't just the pass protection at the offensive line, though, was giving themselves, you know, position to succeed. They were setting themselves up to not have those third and longs by blocking very well on early downs and, and opening up holes and, and getting to second and four, second and three, you know, those, those shorter conversion situations instead of getting stuffed at the line. We talked about it this postseason, man. They were getting stuffed constantly on inside runs. This, this playoffs one, two yard gains at the most. Yes. And that was not the case in this game. You saw Pacheco get at least five yards. It seemed like every carry, um, you know, they were running a lot more and I, and we talked about this too, a lot more gap scheme runs, a lot more down scheme blocking where you're getting, you're getting the line and then just shove people out of the way, not worry about, okay, you know, it's zone. So like, if one guy comes here, one guy comes here, no, I'm just seeing this guy and I'm getting him out of the way. Like that's, that's sometimes you just need to be simpler about it, Andy. And he do, and he was, and, and that's what happened. Yeah. And Pacheco ends up with 76 rushing yards on 15 carries. And that doesn't include Jarek McKinnon's uh, yardage, which I'll, I'll grab in a second. But Pacheco yeah, – McKinnon, McKinnon went four for yeah. 34. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you've got all of those guys averaging over five yards a carry. Uh, and, and I think that's a that's a big number. That's the benchmark, right? You're over five yards a carry, you're running the ball uh, very, very effectively. Right. And, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. To combine, it's 19 carries, 110 yards. That's 5.8 a pop. And uh, Pacheco had that 24-yard run that he that he popped off. The, the offensive line blew open for him. On the opening drive, um, yeah, I, I just feel like the offensive line, you know, I do think there were some times in pass protection on the, the – there was only so many, like, true dropbacks where, like, it was a true five- or seven-step drop. There were some of those times where, yeah, I mean, Brown does get beat around the edge a little bit. Mahomes is kind of maybe pressured a little bit, maybe kind of touched as he's throwing. One of them was a – should have been called a defensive pass interference on Juju, but that's a different story. Um, but all that to say is – they helped themselves out in pass protection by being so good run blocking and not, not getting themselves in crappy situations like third and 10, third and 15 a lot. No, they were constantly in third and five or, or less. And the defense just can't pin their ears back and go because you can run in those situations too. And so 
the offensive line really just helped themselves out. Not only they didn't just play well in pass protection because they did. That's that's not to say they didn't because Andrew Wiley, first of all, Wiley played his ass off. There's a lot of clips going around this morning on Twitter. He is he played very well against Hassan Reddick, um, but it made it easier. It, it gave them less opportunities in those situations because they play their asses off in the in the run game as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point on when it comes to uh, third downs and getting into manageable third downs. The first half they were 0 for 3 in, in third downs. Uh, they ended the game 4 of 8, which uh, by my quick math means that they were 4 out of 5 in the second half converting on, on third down. There you go. And, and that is a, that's a big reason why they were able to sustain drives in the second half and score touchdowns in the second half as opposed to the first half where – uh, it, it seemed like they weren't able to get a whole lot going. So that was a big difference there. The other thing, I just – I can't get over the four-minute drive. This was something that yes. this team, in years past, we've seen so many times another team run the four-minute drive, run the clock out, Mahomes doesn't get to touch the ball, the Chiefs lose. We've seen – not that the Chiefs have lost a lot of games with Mahomes, but, like, <laughs> we've seen that scenario play itself out, right? Uh, we've seen – the other side of that, where the Chiefs had the ball with four minutes left, they score quick, and it gives the ball back uh, to uh, hopefully, hopefully trusting the defense, and it doesn't work out in the Chiefs' favor either because they leave too much time on the clock. When they got the ball back with uh, with just with over four minutes left, I thought this is their chance to show that the offense is different this year. Right, it's not the Chiefs that you've seen in the past. This is not the Mahomes, the Andy Reid. Uh, or the receiving core that you've seen in the past, not the offensive line you've seen in the past. I mean, it's the whole unit here that has to be different this year. This is where the Tyreek Hill trade shows up. This is where you don't have just one guy breaking something loose uh, or just one or two guys that you're targeting, and it's a one-dimensional team. This was a methodical drive that, that started with 515 left, actually. Yes. And they drove the length of the field. And they did exactly what you do on the four-minute drill. They ran the ball effectively. He threw the ball to his reliable chain movers. He hit Kelsey. Right. He hit Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, Pacheco had big runs on that drive. McKinnon had a run on that drive. They made the the execution of that drive. It, it was a, a work of art. It was exactly how you do that drive. And they get down to the 11-yard line. Uh, Jared McKinnon busts loose for for nine yards, <laughs> and right on cue, uh, I actually called this. I was telling the, the folks at my Super Bowl party, I said, "Here's what happens in this four minute drill. They don't want to score too quick. You might see somebody take a knee as they get close to the goal line, and everybody's like, why would they do that?' And the very next play, McKinnon goes and slides <laughs> uh, at the two, uh, which is a veteran move." This oh, yeah. team was prepared for that situation. They had everything in place. This was Andy Reid game management that we haven't always seen before either. I mean, he clearly had clear instructions for this team. <clears throat> After he McKinnon goes down, they kneel on the ball twice. They run the clock all the way down and go ahead and kick the game-winning field goal. <clears throat> and that was just the execution on that and just – the fact that the Chiefs are in that position and they're prepared for that and they're on the right side of history when it comes to that kind of a drive this time, to me, says this was a different Chiefs team than one, what we've seen in the past. And it was 
uh, a real thing of beauty. This was exactly, exactly how you draw it up. No, I, I love that call when you talk about it from a big picture perspective, because I don't know, you just think about it. You look back at some of the old playoff games. I mean, think about the first Super Bowl they won. You know, they they put the defense on the field last, right? They they trusted the defense to get the stop. You think about, um, uh, obviously, like the Bills game last year, you know, Tyreek scores so quickly on that drive where they probably could have killed all the clock. You know, there, there's other – think about just the entire 2019 title run. Every game ended with the defense on the field trying to make a stop. They didn't allow that to happen this time because they were able to control the game maybe more than they have, like you're mentioning, in the past. You know, maybe in the past it was more – hey, we're going to run our plays and our best plays are big explosive plays that are going to get huge plays, right? Now they can feel more comfortable about running the plays that are only going to get maybe six, seven, eight yards at a time. But in this moment, that's all you need. And, and as long as you keep piling them up, it works out, right? So I think it's a great point, man. I, I think it does show the methodicalness of, of this team, kind of what how they've grown. You know, all short passes on that drive too. You mentioned getting it to the right guys. But yeah, all shorter passes, nothing. He wasn't, he didn't like force anything. There was no, right. you know, throw, you know, this big time throw that you're just like, oh man, that was almost really bad. No, yeah. I mean, and, no and they ran the ball well yeah. too. Yeah. So they ran the ball really well. And and just to put this, just to put this thing to bed, yes, there was a penalty that aided that drive. Uh it was not a bad call. I uh, it no. was it was not the most egregious penalty I've ever seen, but it was it was clear by the book called the correct way. Um, so for anybody saying that that the refs handed the Chiefs that game, uh, it's clearly not the case. James Bradbury came out after the game and, and admitted that, yeah, I held him. I thought I could get away with it. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't. Right. Uh, you know, props to him. That's a, that's a bold statement there. But would the outcome have been dramatically different had they not called that? Um, I don't know. It was a, they're at the 15-yard line. Uh, they, they kicked the field goal there. Um, on fourth down and eight, the score is still 38-35. But yeah, now the ball's back in the hands of the defense, and you got to hope uh, that they can uh, hold Philly off uh, w- one last time. So, uh, you know, a lot of things happen in the course of a game that affect the outcome. Uh, by no means did the referees uh, decide this contest. In, in, in no way, even if the Chiefs had lost this game, I would have not felt like the, the referees. Uh, if with the Chiefs were on the other side of this, I don't think I don't think we would have felt uh, that the referees handed anybody anything. No, and, and I know we said it off the top, but yeah, that's why I really think this was an awesome Super Bowl, like an all-time Super Bowl. I mean, it really was. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm, we're gonna think we're gonna remember this one for a long time, for a very long time. Well, it's a great time to take a quick break, uh, hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back with more Super Bowl talk. Because what else do you guys want to talk about today? Uh, Thanks for being with us on the Out of Structure Podcast. We'll be right back with you. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we're back on the Auto Structure Podcast talking about your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. It feels really good to be able to say that here on Victory Monday. Let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs defense because the way this game started, as I mentioned, was exactly how the Eagles would have wanted it to start. And I wasn't sure the Chiefs defense were going to be able to get enough stops or to get off the field when they needed to. I don't know for the Chiefs to win this game. Yeah, no, I, I talked about how, you know, Andy Reid's game plan on the offensive side of the ball, it, it definitely, you know, it, it it worked, right? It was They out-game planned Philadelphia. It just was a matter of in the first half, they didn't get many possessions. They weren't able to show that. I would tell you that Spagnolo did a very good job game planning as well. And, and and you know, I would say, honestly, probably out-game out planned Philadelphia, I would say. Um, you know, especially at the beginning, you could tell, you know, the the Eagles were not having as much success as they like to have in early downs, right? And and one of the things, one of the keys to this game that it became obvious early on was that they wanted the Chiefs to be in their base personnel uh, defense, which means three linebackers, right? And and only two cornerbacks uh, rather than the three that they typically have in, in their nickel packages. Well, what that does is is you have Leo Chanel in the field, a rookie linebacker, and and they're obviously trying to exploit him, you know, spread him out uh, with with spread formations, um, you know, use their athletic tight ends and, and running backs to kind of, you know, get, you know, have spread out pass plays, uh, but have those linebackers spread out, right, and in, in, in uncomfortable positions. Chanel looked all but uncomfortable, and, and that's kind of this, this key point to me in the defense I want to start with is I gave Leo Chanel, uh, I do the instant breakdown for the site uh, right after the game. It's a little instant analysis. I gave him the defensive MVP, Leo Chanel, linebacker, yeah. rookie linebacker, uh, you know, a guy that didn't really have much of a role throughout the entire season. We kind of all wanted him to um, before the season. But I think we all kind of, you know, came to understand that it's just kind of a he's just in a weird spot where there's two guys ahead of him that are really good and they don't play more than two linebackers a lot. And he's just not there as a pass rusher to, to put him in any other situations. But when defense when when an opposing offense forces him on the field, you know, that could be a disaster. That could end up being the X factor in this game where, where Philly really just just pounds him and, and attacks him. And that's not what happened, though. They tried, but he kept making plays. He made a few big tackles on early downs that, that set up those uh, third downs. And that was the key overall is that I think the Chiefs defense did a really good job of getting to third down, right? They weren't getting gashed on first and second down and, and, and just avoiding third down. It really was that the Chiefs were forcing those third downs. They just weren't getting off the field a lot on those third downs. And there's a variety of reasons that we can get into with that. Um, but I just want to start off here and, and and we can talk about the whole linebacker position because I really think the entire group was probably the best part about the Chiefs defense on Sunday. But Leo Chanel, man, I'm, I'm telling you, and, and I guess we got the stats. So let me get this stat out. Uh, Next Gen Stats had had the Chiefs linebackers with 15 defensive stops, five each. All three of them, uh, Bolton, Gay, and Chanel had five each. They said it's the most by a Chiefs linebacker group since 2016. Wow. You got to remember, you got to think about it though. Bolton played 100% of the snaps with those five stops. Gay played 88% of the snaps with those five stops. Chanel had the same number of stops in 24% of the snaps, 18 snaps total. So five of the 18 snaps, he was making a, a, a big stop. A stop isn't just a tackle. It's a, it's, it's a play where the offense doesn't succeed, right? They don't get seven, eight yards. They get a, a, a gain that doesn't, Go very far. All that to say, Stags, and I'll throw it to you now. We'll talk about the linebackers because one of your favorite guys had a huge play in this game. It's just it, I, I think Chanel des- deserved the most valuable player because value-wise, he was put in a position to really be like a, 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 a weak point of this team, and he became a strength and a reason why the defense held up just enough to get the win. 
Yeah, it was a great linebacker day across the board, and, and you're right. Leo Chanel showed up in the Super Bowl. Somebody said prior to the game that there's going to be some unexpected performances. There's going to be somebody that steps up in this Super Bowl. Yeah. We did not see it coming. I would have never – you could have given me 20 guesses, and I probably would, <laughs> would not have put Leo Chanel as the guy that they would have relied on or that would have stepped up big in the Super Bowl. He technically had a sack. Uh, he, he, you know, was – was active uh, around the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the one coverage snap that everybody's going to highlight that he got beat, he was all over the tight end. He didn't get his head turned around, but he did get an arm in between uh, Goddard's two uh, arms as he tried to catch that ball. Uh, that was a tremendous play by the offense and nothing, mo- nothing more than you can ask of a linebacker who's not known for coverage to be able to be in that position. So he was, he was spectacular. I thought, Willie Gay Jr. had a really good game as well. He right. showed up on some big plays. He had a couple tackles for loss. And then Nick Bolton, you know, I, I saw a stat that Nick Bolton was the first Mizzou player to – former Mizzou player to score in the Super Bowl. And, again, that's something you probably could have gotten big odds on DraftKings for the the, the Super Bowl uh, touchdown score, anytime touchdown Nick Bolton – he not only made that play and the other that, that was overturned, but he was all over the field as well and, and led both teams and tackles just as you would expect him to. And he also got some pressure on the quarterback. So, I mean, I think it was a really, really good game out of him where they had to have it. And this was a game where you, if he gets on his heels and is not able to, uh, to shut things down, it's a really, really long day for the Chiefs defense. Now, the, the Chiefs defense did not shut down the Eagles, right? So they, the Eagles overall had a good offensive performance. Jalen Hurts was spectacular, 300 yards passing and 70 yards rushing and 300 yards – or sorry, three touchdowns rushing and one one passing. Um, Devonta Smith had 100 yards receiving. A.J. Brown had 96 and a touchdown. The, the Eagles did – perform above expectations, especially in the passing game uh, against this Chiefs defense. But it's really the way that they were able to make them more one-dimensional, to slow down the run game, and to, to get a couple key stops when they had to have them. You know, they they clearly were not able to just absolutely shut them down or shut them out. But in a game with Mahomes and the offense playing the way it was, especially in the second half, you just needed this Chiefs defense to get off the field a couple of times in the for, throughout the entire game. In the second half, they held them to a field goal on their initial drive, almost return, had a had a uh, touchdown there, and then uh, forced a three and out right after the Chiefs took their first lead of the game. The first time the Chiefs go up, they score a touchdown, and the, their defense responds to the call. That's a pivotal moment right there to give the ball back to the Chiefs offense allow them to go up by eight instead of just the one-point lead they had at 28-27 when they forced that three and out. That was a, a game-deciding defensive stand as well. Yeah, no, this is this is one of those things where you, you, I talked about volatility all year, man. I talked about wanting a, a higher degree of volatility with this defense, and this is kind of what it looks like. You know, you don't – again, I, I always say you don't want to, like – there's always this bad side of the volatility. And yes, there can get too much of that, right? And there's probably too much of the bad side of the volatility in this game where 
you have the AJ Brown touchdown where man, that it's just hanging up in the air forever. And McDuffie can't track it as well as Brown does. I mean, that's the bad side of volatility and you have Jalen hurts just gashing in the run game, which it's important to point out on, on that, especially in the first half towards that second quarter, the chiefs defense was on the field for 18 straight plays, about 10 plus minutes of time of possession because of that Nick Bolton fumble. Uh, you know, they, they score immediately. And that drive itself was like seven plays, about three or four minutes. So, you know, then they go on another big drive. And then later on, they have a 17 play drive. I do think a lot of the weaknesses you saw sometimes uh, in, in especially, you know, with Jalen Hurts kind of uh, taking advantage of, I think, some fatigued linebackers at times. Uh, you saw, especially on one play, it looked like Bolton had the spy responsibility and he wanted to get there. He wanted to get there, but he just had no juice in the tank at that point. Cause again, it was in the midst of that very long time of possession. And that's where the volatility comes in, right? You, you don't, you don't want to be that bend don't break defense because you're just wasting time um, and, and, and not giving your offense the ball. And that's on the first half where bend don't break, you know, kind of, you know, almost gave them, put them in disaster, but then the volatility obviously comes in, gives them the touchdown. So it almost broke them. Yeah. They, yeah, I thought they the Chiefs tackled well on this day in general. Yes, I would agree. They could not tackle Hurts, but they could tackle everybody else. And right. so credit to those guys for stepping up because that is that was also one of the keys to this game. If these Eagles love to break tackles, love to run after the catch, love to to gash in the running game, uh, for the Chiefs to be able to be solid in that regard was massive, uh, and, and it really did help. A couple other guys that stepped up in, in other aspects. We. I know we alluded to this already, but Kadarius Tony, and again, just a, a brilliant addition uh, by Brett Veach, not only had the biggest punt return in Super Bowl history, but also the go-ahead touchdown that we just mentioned in the fourth quarter. Uh, Tony does bring that extra element. I'm excited to see what he does over the next year or two with this team now because he does bring something to the team that, that just isn't there uh, in the absence of McCole Hardman especially. Yeah, that's the thing. McColl's a free agent now. We, we probably did see McColl in his last uh, game as a chief, I think, because of what Tony gives you. I mean, Tony gives you – Tony is kind of what uh, you wanted McCole, or everyone kind of ideally thought maybe McColl would be uh, right out of the draft. Not necessarily because I do think McColl is still just that jet burner um, open field that Tony maybe isn't necessarily. Um, but Tony's more maybe better in, you know, in close, condensed spaces. But we always wanted Hardman to develop into an actual receiver on top of having these, you know, amazing skill sets as just in the open field. He never really did that, right? Hardman really didn't. I mean, it's just it's just true at this point, four years into it. You know, he is more just a gadget player. Tony, in, in a very limited sample size, he's only been here for half a season, already seems like he's taken, you know, a further step in that development as a true wide receiver. Again, along with having these extra talents that the Chiefs can utilize in, in gadgety ways, so... Now, yeah, we've I, got I to see it with him staying healthy, obviously. That, that's of course that's going to be the, the asterisk next to Kadarius Tony forever uh, until it's not. But, but yeah, very encouraging what we've seen from him so far. I also want to just point out uh, Sky Moore, who, who had been really struggling over this year on offense, who's not always in the right place. And apparently, according to Patrick Mahomes, was not even in the right place when he <laughs> scored his first NFL touchdown in the Super Bowl, the last score of the game for the Chiefs as they as they walk off into the sunset with a victory, Sky Moore, his enthusiasm, his joy in that moment, I think we all felt it. It was infectious. It was so 
awesome to see him score his first NFL touchdown in that way, in that moment, in the Super Bowl. Um, he apparently has some more developing to do on the, uh, as far as within the offense, um, but but really just a feel-good story of redemption for this season for a guy who struggled a lot on offense, made the catastrophic errors on special teams early in the season, and then comes back in the playoff and, and makes plays in both both regards. Yeah, and I think it's just an important reminder. I mean, we, we talk about this, but it's easy to kind of maybe forget once we get into the season and we, and we, we start thinking about these lineup things. You know, Andy, Andy has said it, and, and it's been a thing that, you know, it does take multiple years for receivers to truly develop and understand this offense completely where they – because, you know, Andy asked them to be in every single position, right? There is no, you know, single position they're going to be in. They're not just the Z. They're not just the slot. They're not just the X. And so this might be one of those things where we don't always see it on the field, play out on the field, but we're seeing it with Sky where – He's a talented dude, but he may just not be getting the snap counts that we all want him to just be simply because of that. And sometimes we just can't see it. You know, we can't see that he's forgetting plays or messing up plays. Sky Moore's made it pretty obvious, unfortunately, but hopefully that just means he's going to uh, build on that and be better uh, by next year. Well, typically on the Out of Structure podcast, we're taking your questions from Twitter. And we had a few questions come in at the last minute here, but all of them were forward looking about the offseason. And we've got months where we'll be talking about nothing but this roster, their needs, who to sign, who to draft, who to uh, let go. Uh, looking forward to that conversation. We're going to save your questions for next week. Uh, and, Ron, I'm just going to let you wrap this pod up uh, with some of the historical context that we talked about. I was dreading, in some ways, this Super Bowl. If they had lost this game, we would have heard so many narratives that would have been just maddening for over the next off season and, and beyond. Uh, luckily and thankfully uh, your chiefs again are champions and the narrative is so different now uh, than it could have been had they not won this game. So uh, give us some historical context as we, as we head out, out of here about how big this victory was for so many different chiefs. Well, it really was a, a, a statement making. I mean, Stag, let's just ask this question real quick. Are we are we cool with calling this a dynasty now? I mean, we are in the You're, midst. We're using the D word on this, po- this podcast. So. Our, our official position is that we're in dynasty territory now. I, I, I do think that is absolutely true. And I think a part of it is because of the dominance in the AFC they've had throughout this entire thing. That's a part of this, man. <laughs> they have two Super Bowl championships on top of the fact that no AFC team has had the home field advantage, uh, you know, Obviously, to start the postseason, but you know, no, the the entire AFC playoffs has gone through Arrowhead every time, so it's absolutely a dynasty. Look at some stats here. Uh, Andy Reid joins a so now it's fourteen coaches all time that have won multiple championships. Um, that's it's, it's a lot of big names on it. Fourteen does sound like a lot, but when you think about when you think about uh, the the you know the totality of the NFL, how long it's been around. You know, obviously early in the in the in the NFL you know, uh, history of things. Obviously there were, there were many more coaches, many more opportunities to win or less coaches opportunity to win more rings. He also has obviously the second most postseason wins of all time among coaches. So shout out Andy Reid. It was good to see him get his second ring was a lock for the hall of fame anyway, but now he's just, you know, you know, debatably, you know, maybe the second best head coach of all time. I mean, you could say, you know, I, me and my friends are kind of having this debate. I mean, is it kind of one of those a you know one a one b goat discussions of head coaching? You know, obviously, I think Belichick deserves to be the goat, but 
is Belichick kind of the, the greatest defensive mind ever? And then Andy Reid's just kind of the flip side, the greatest offensive mind ever. Cause I think at this point you have to kind of give him that title as, as the greatest offensive minded head coach in NFL history in terms of accomplishment. I think he already had an argument to be that anyway. And now he has the two rings to back it up. And, and you, you know, Bill Walsh is obviously, you know, one that everyone's going to come to mind when they think about that kind of coach in terms of being an offensive mastermind. But, you know, I, Andy Reid, you know, is doing it with multiple teams, uh, I believe, for a longer period of time. And, you know, as Bill Walsh has three Super Bowl rings as a head coach. Andy Reid only one behind him. So maybe one more ring and, and, and maybe he'll have a better argument for that. Looking at other things, though, in terms of postseason records, uh, Mahomes did did uh, make some records with with his performance. It actually ended up being one of his better postseason performances of all time, despite only having 182 passing yards like we talked about earlier. But Mahomes now is tied for th- uh, third for the the or tied in third for the third most games pa- in the postseason with a hundred uh, with a passer rating of over a hundred. Uh, tied with Aaron Rodgers now, which is kind of funny already. Um, and only two behind Joe Montana, but he has more than Brett Favre and Drew Brees and Troy Aikman. And actually, this game happened to be his third highest single game passer rating in the NFL playoffs in his career. Uh, it ended at 131.8, which was just behind the Houston game in 2019 and then the Pittsburgh game last year. So Mahomes obviously had one of his best games. He had the highest completion percentage that he's ever had in a postseason game. Um, and uh, minimum 15 completions at least, uh, almost 78%, which was just higher than his Pittsburgh performance last year. But um, that does make sense with, you know, it, there was a condensed amount of throws and he was throwing quick, but still impressive. Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are now only one behind Brady and Gronk for most quarterback uh, receiver touchdown connections in the postseason. They have 14. Brady and Gronk have 15. And so they're going to probably catch that, you'd imagine, pretty soon. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just naming off whatever other postseason records we have to to pay attention to here. I mean, you know that that is kind of it for the legacy talk in terms of of statistics, but it is just one of those 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 games you realize that it, it does cement you know a guy like Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, but just everyone else on this team. I mean, think about guys like like veterans like a Carlos Dunlap who has over a hundred sacks and now has the championship ring to go with it and really kind of cement his his season as an all-time or his career as kind of you know uh one of you know one of the the really good careers and you know as an nfl player in terms of defensive ends or you know you think about you know some of the other guys brandon williams you know pops up on the team mid-season and and didn't have the same mike pinnell effect right but uh got his first ring you know juju smith schuster someone that may only be here for this year we're going to talk about it as we move forward but uh, a guy that signed the one-year deal just to do this, right? And, uh, you know, got that ring on his resume now, kind of helped the team do it by, you know, obviously leading the receiver room in yards and catches and and uh, targets for most for uh, the entire season and then uh, finished the Super Bowl leading the receiver room as well. So guys like that, man, um, and, and you could keep going. I mean, talk about, you know, a guy like Frank Clark, you know, winning his second ring in the postseason sacks he has. You know, he has an argument now to be, you know, one of the, more decorated pass rushers of all time when it matters, you know, one of those guys that, you know, is going to be kind of a folk hero, like, you know, Oh, he didn't do, you know, his stats in the regular season wouldn't wow you, but you know, he's, you know, in 30 years, we're going to talk about Frank Clark as one of the most clutch sack, you know, sackers of all time, even though he didn't get one in this game, saw him breaking down after the game with Peter Schrager, man, that was, that was awesome. But man, it was, it was, it was a great day. 
Um, as you can tell by now, I've been left by Stags. Uh, he had to go take care of some stuff, and so I'm wrapping up the podcast for us. But it's been a great season. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you know, I you know who you are, the guys that constantly ask questions. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, we know you know there are other shows to listen to and other shows asking you guys to submit questions. And uh, you know, we love talking to you guys, discussing football with you guys, Chiefs football. We're not going anywhere. Um, just the end of the season, and uh, we're gonna switch our focus to more off season and draft from this point on. But let's celebrate this week, fellas. Hopefully you're going to the parade. Hopefully you're, you know, celebrating in some way with friends and family on Wednesday, um, eat, you know, watching the parade if you can't be there in Kansas City. You know, hopefully you're soaking this in because you're in the midst of the golden age of Chiefs football. We are here, and, and, it, and it's lovely to be here. Uh, for Ron Cobb, I'm Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at the site. Shout out Stags. I uh, did a, you know, we, we, we've, we've had fun this entire season, and, uh, you know, he, he really appreciates you guys as well. So, Appreciate you guys joining us. Appreciate you guys listening. We are going to uh, catch you on the next podcast. So make sure you're tuned into the rest of the site. we got plenty more Super Bowl coverage for the rest of the week. Editor show will be on tomorrow's uh, 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 schedule in our place. And, and we kind of just switched places with Pete flying back from Arizona. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and end the podcast here. Appreciate everyone listening. And uh, catch you on the next episode. Peace.